0: Welcome, dear listener, to Episode 8, Season 2, Weekend at Crombies. Tonight we shall be looking up at the Tall Guy.
1: Welcome, dear listener, and as Hugh has expertly introduced, we are this evening um, looking up to the tall guy. Um, My name is uh, Dr. James Evans Esquire. Ye gads, it's a real pea super.
0: And I am Hugh. I forfeited the right to be treated in a responsible manner when I made the decision to put a vacuum cleaner pipe at my bottom.
1: (laughs) yeah, and uh, 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 we're, we're going to be talking That's about... That's hasn't it?
2: That's
1: <laughs> a bit. I was just about to say, not again, you. Oh, crap. Uh Yeah, so this evening's, this evening's, or this morning's, or this afternoon's film, podcast's no-no concept of live time, of course. Um, this evening, as I've said before, uh, we're going to be talking about The Tall Guy. So I think we should just crack on, really.
0: Let's just crack on. So The Tall Guy, 1989, Richard Curtis' debut film, a romantic comedy uh, starring Jeff Goldblum. And Emma Thompson. And Emma Thompson, her uh, first her yeah. first feature.
1: Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and you, you, you rightly point out that it's Richard Curtis's first film um, as a writer. Um, obviously, Richard Curtis of Blackadder fame and then going on to do Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, etc., etc. The behemoth, that is. But it's also um, the late Mel Smith's directorial debut as well of... Um, uh, Alas, Smith and Jones as well,
0: um, yeah. of that kind of, um, and not culture. the Nine O'Clock News, which is where he met Richard and Curtis and Ron Atkinson. And Ron Atkinson, and where, yeah, exactly. Where the whole thing began. Um, yeah. And interesting, you mentioned Richard Curtis again. It's uh, of the four weddings. He's pretty much become a genre in his own right. Though his output isn't huge. If someone said it's a Richard Curtis film, you would know exactly what it was.
1: Yeah. And I think that, that yeah, we'll come on to this, but the tall guy has some of those tropes set in stone right this, from the start. This star is where I... it all began. This is where it all began. Yeah. And so um, we open
0: with Dexter King, a tall yes. American actor, um, who is essentially the, um, the, the the straight man in a very successful um, one-man show. Um, he's yeah. not the one-man one-man show. He's a two-man show. But the one-man show is Ron Anderson, who is a yeah. He's played by Rowan Atkinson, yeah, a rubber, uh, rubber-faced comedian um, with a a slight ego and not yeah. a very nice personality. <laughs>
1: I get, I get the feeling that Rowan Atkinson absolutely loved playing this uh, role, and he's really he's really hamming it up in it in, in in the film as well. So uh, Dexter King plays the straight man to uh, Ron Atkinson's um, sorry Ron Anderson's um, uh, kind of kind of it. Wait wait
0: the- a minute, Ron Atkinson, okay. Rowan? I, do you, I've see, I can see is it, it Ron now. At- I've,
1: it's, it's Ron Anderson. If, isn't it? I've just it? seen a
0: Ron Anderson is played by Rowan Atkinson. I I can see the Matrix now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, uh dexter king is is not only is he the straight man he's also a rather put upon straight man a uh, uh someone who is absolutely plays second fiddle to um ron anderson mm-hmm. um and, you know, a lot of the a lot of the kind of the butt of the jokes are literally him being hit around the head with a, a copper pipe or thrown to the floor or just basically being humiliated in that
0: particular context. And um, that is comedy. Absolutely. comedy. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> it's not happening off stage. He's, he's being he's <laughs> being <laughs> faked on the head with a pipe. It's not <laughs> yeah, what yeah, Anderson's yeah. not abusing him behind the curtain. <laughs> No, that is
1: that is the comedy itself.
0: Yeah. Um, and he, but he's he, very bored. He, he's, he's, he's yawning when the stage when the curtain goes up. He's kind of checking his watch. He's utterly unengaged in what's going yeah. on.
1: And he suffers from uh, extreme hay fever, Dexter King, as yes. well, which is a, 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 rather, a rather contrived plot point um but is necessary for the film to move forward as as, as, it, as it needs to i
0: think we could say it, that about a lot of moments in this film <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah large true, contrivances yeah. happen to get things going forward
1: yeah yeah um and he he uh lives uh, shares a, a house or a flat with um a, a nymphomaniac landlady played by geraldine james r- rather wonderfully played by geraldine james actually um and she often has um uh I don't know partners. You'd call in the loosest possible sense of the word, who are um, wandering around the the, the flat in, in the nud, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the first scenes is um, Jeff Goblin coming back and seeing this naked man walking around, and it, it's it's played for laughs again because it's it's taken completely as as normal. Yeah.
0: The as the, the bare bottom it's, is is hammered home in sort of five different gags, all of which yeah. are basically there's a bare bottom. <laughs> Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, and yeah, um, Geraldine th- James, again, uh, for such a great actor, she has basically the one joke to work with through the whole movie, and that is she's sleeping yeah. with someone. Yeah, yeah, basically.
1: Yeah, she doesn't, yeah, it's not It's not the most uh, challenging role, yeah. uh, I, I, I would say, uh, particularly. Um, so, uh, you know, it sets a scene, Dexter King is effectively uh, a, a kind of a down-on-his-luck um stuck stuck in a rut uh, Yeah, his his life's too. So
0: yeah his, his uh, there's lots of little things like his, his he got a hay fever's playing up he um his answer machine is broken. He's got no fresh food yeah. in the fridge. Geraldine James is happy, but he's not. He's moping. Um, he's got. you know, He's. Um, I think they, they. Geraldine James refers. He needs a nice girlfriend. Then we get a flashback to a series of montages with yes. a number of women and Dexter looking miserable in each one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and some of the some of the 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 uh, um, ex girlfriends are obviously they're obviously ridiculously over the top. Yeah. Um, you know, like um, kind of pagan rituals, which he's just standing there with his with a moustache yeah. uh, to signify that it's in the past um, and, and you know other such kind of extraordinarily weird and wonderful girlfriends which he can't obviously um, stand and so he, he he's basically lonely i, I guess really lonely in, in a bit of a dead end in his career and the hay fever's playing up so it, it kind of prompts him to go to a, to the hospital to see a doctor about it at which point we also learn that he's terrified of injections um, and needles in general um, so he goes to the doctor and They basically prescribe a series of injections for him to cure the hay fever, which he turns down um, until he realizes that the person who would be performing the injections on him is um, Emma Thompson, um, who plays Kate Lemon, which is the butt of quite a few quite funny jokes um, quite early on um, when she's introducing herself as Kate Lemon. And it's, you know, it's not a great name. And then. Dexter King says things like, "Well, it could be worse. It could be Hitler or tampon," which <laughs> so is quite funny. Full um, charm mode. Um, and in fact, yes, yeah, yeah.
0: the, the minute that a nurse pushing a wheelchair comes around the corner, twinkling music starts, and Dexter is immediately smitten. Um, yeah, immediately. Yeah, through no engagement whatsoever. She basically says, "Can you hold the door for me?" And he cannot stop staring at her, um, and, and that's enough. Yeah, so to he just, he yeah.
1: then goes on this ridiculous, like six or eight-week course of injections. Yeah. Each week, effectively plucking up the courage to ask her if he, if she wants to go out for dinner with him yeah. and each week failing miserably or it being such a quick kind of um, uh, uh, appointment that he hasn't even got a chance to say hello or anything like yeah. that, um, which is also kind of part of the comedy in, in that particular process as well. So he's getting more and more upset, probably the wrong word, but desperate, yeah. I guess. And he invents, he invents, um, he invents uh, a trip to Morocco um, to ensure that the injections are prolonged, so he, you know, he has to have like typhoid and um, uh, tetanus and all these other ones as yeah. well. And, and so, you know, this whole thing, he's trying his hardest to kind of ingratiate himself with with Kate Lemon, but just can't really do it, yeah. basically.
0: Actually there is there is one of the funniest moments I found in the film is when he has these five needles laid out and the sugar cube for polio um, <laughs> and he's he's about to have them all given to Kate Lemon. He's working up the nerve to, to tell her how he feels when she's called away in an emergency, and instead a slightly eccentric doctor who yeah. kind of makes little barking noises to himself uh, just <laughs> yeah. toddles in and says, oh, "I'll give them for you," and then just yeah. p- proceeds to kind of blindly jab his arm. <laughs> much yes. to Dexter's terror f- terror and, uh, and and distress. Um,
1: but yeah, they have all they all they're all bigger than the last injection and they've all got terrifying names as called, well this is like called Big
0: Ben yeah. <laughs> yeah this is called the Ball Buster yeah and he goes well I'm the real experts do it without looking and <laughs> he just turns his head yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because you know what, one one little air bubble and boof you're dead yeah I, was at the <laughs> wonderful, actually, I, I really took this character who's there for I don't know 30 seconds in the movie but really <laughs> makes a mark because he's just like oh i'm i'm really getting the hang of this now And he drops them the first needle and he just picks it up and discreetly it cleans it not. on the coat and then yeah. has, and it sticks it in dexter and again jeff goldman's this point just just screaming in terror um and at, i think at that point again dexter limps off and then finally what gets the nerve up to ask kate out um on a meal um to which she says yes they meet the next night um, and Dex is all happy and scrubbed up and everything. And she says, actually, I'm really tired. You just walk me home. And that's actually yeah. the first time they have an actual conversation when he manages to make her laugh. Okay. Um, yeah.
1: And, and obviously He's disappointed, but actually it's clear to him that she's interested. He, yeah. She is just genuinely tired. She's yeah. had a bad day at work.
0: Well, there is a moment he, he tells a joke that's... Um, not particularly funny about an old uh, funny name of an old schoolmate but she laughs and actually it's the first moment he seems to come alive in terms yeah. of she's responding to me and you know she's not just a, a person to which twinky music plays when i see her yeah. um but then she uh, basically she wants to go home and um and then, then proposes in the most uh, sort of Emma Thompson-like way that uh, she she doesn't, you know, just because a chap takes a girl out for a dinner doesn't mean she's entitled to have sex with her. Um, but I don't believe that. I think it's much better to get all that sort of thing out of the way, right away, so you don't <laughs> yeah. have lots of expensive dinners. <laughs> yeah. so especially she's initiating immediate sex with him, um, but in a, in a very... Uh, public schoolboy way um, yeah
1: and so they do uh, they do the <laughs>
0: next the next day they have a a comedically marathon sex session um
1: yes yes yeah. it, it it is it, it's a it's a conceptual sex scene i think uh, in many ways um it's not, very not fun conceptual well, well it is an actual sex scene yeah, but, not but the, co- the, the comedy is conceptual in it i think oh, yes. um it, it it's 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 quite an iconic scene as well i think but it is very funny there's fruit being squashed by bare buttocks there's the piano being played by by bums and heads and stuff like that there's things smashing on jeff goldblum's face Yeah. yeah
0: Kate Levin's is flat quite, is quite, quite messy. I didn't I did know. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. get from my age. I did think, they left a bill of cornflakes out in this kind of state. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure 10 year old me was not looking at the cornflakes, but now I was thinking, that place could do with a bit of a spritz. They've left a can yeah. of milk under the bed there.
1: Well, you see, I, yeah, I, it stresses me out as well because my, my first reaction was, I bet that flat really smells. <laughs> <laughs> because you can't leave milk
0: out. You can't leave milk out, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So this is this is them effectively all loved up now.
0: But, but um, as a consequence of this um yes. having having spent the entire day having sex, Dexter has missed his show um yeah. and instead his his good friend little cypress charlie who's a flyman and um, who works the, the the ropes in the theater has taken on the role of uh, of of the, the straight guy to ron anderson has made yeah. a terrible mess of it and so both yeah. cypress charlie improvising yes but, well he is he is a flyman i'm surprised he got on the stage in the first place
2: um
0: <laughs> but he gets fired and then also dexter gets immediately fired too because quite understandably he didn't turn up for work yeah, yeah.
2: um
0: and so now dexter is unemployed and seeking new opportunities
1: and uh uh kate lemon is very very um force forceful and forthright in ensuring that you know if she's going to be going out with an actor um she's damn well not going to be going out with an unemployed actor so he he, he starts to look around for um opportunities
0: yeah and, um, for, and for someone because he does complain that the only reason he got the job um with ron anderson six years ago was because he was cheap um and and basically gets hit with the head and iron bar for the next six years and that's why he's yeah. so distraught but yeah. um for someone like that he's got an incredibly good agent uh, because, <laughs> yes. because she's a western agent her other clients there's a, there's a comedic scene where sort of um, angus deaton is one of the clients Is an yeah. Har- <laughs> the next one. he's been given script for spielberg and woody woody allen and then the next one is being given the the polyakov script and this kind of stuff yes. and then he's given yeah. you know here's your tall actor so his agent's got really big connections. She gets him doing a, like a Stephen Burkhoff <laughs> audition right away. It's really um, it? So he has a phenomenally good agent for for, for such a, a limited actor. But um, yeah. it all it all ends up. He ends up on stage for Elephant, the musical, which is essentially a send up of the Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals of the eighties, um, where everything was yeah. a musical. And this is a story of the Elephant Man. Um, yes. And there he, it goes for the chorus. He can't sing or dance naturally, <laughs> but uh, he yeah. he looks so funny, just comically awkward they think he's perfect for john merrick yeah. so he gets the leading role in elephant um and, that, and that's very but he, he he catapults into his the next phase in his career um, yeah and it's, it's basically
1: the rest of the film is the production of elephant yeah um which which is admittedly very funny as a concept as well and it's yeah. well played and um you know that as, as the as the um as the musical develops, as the rehearsals go on, um, sh- uh, Dexter and uh, another um, another actress um, they potentially find that they have a kind of a connection together. Um, it's you know it's it, they, they they flirt with each other and um, there's obviously something going on there, as it were.
0: Was it Cheryl either?
1: Cheryl, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Cheryl is the leading lady um, who. Basically, yeah, looks after the elephant man in the film, and then they basically, as leading man, Nilly in the pre-show party, they basically nip away to the the, um, the props room and have it off there. So he's now cheated yeah. on Kate Lemon, um, and then the the big night comes. He's uh, it's all a fantastic success. Um, they, we see quite a lot of the Elef- of Elephant the musical.
1: We um, do actually. Uh, it's almost it's almost an entire musical. I mean, it could be. You, uh, you yeah, get the yeah. montage of all of the main songs.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, and there's even a moment where there's this the six dancing elephants on stage as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, you've got you've got um, the uh, Geraldine James character in the the kind of royal box or yeah. one of the kind of one of the royal boxes, and you've got Kate Lemon in in the royal box as well. And and the Geraldine James character is loving it. You know, yeah. she's weeping. She's she's. It's all sincere to her. Yeah. Whereas uh, Emma Thompson just looking really quizzical or laughing her head off at yeah. the ridiculousness of what's happening.
0: Which I think is an interesting point to return to. But um but so that, that happens. Then the after show party, uh, there's this, you know, everyone's all greeting Dexter saying how good he is and um this moment happens when he when Dexter hangs Cheryl, his co-star who he's having a, an affair with, a glass of champagne and she doesn't say thank you or anything. Yes. And from that that snippet, um, Kate Lemon manages to to Columbo the fact that uh, that he's been having an affair. She says yes. only that level of intimacy um, allows yes. you to do that. And and so immediately after the after the party, she packs a bag and says goodbye and says you know okay. I I, I know you're having an affair, um, I worked it all out and and I'm leaving now. Um, mm. And so a couple of things I, I thought to take from that is firstly, Cheryl could just be rude. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that was a yeah, big leap me. from Kate. I mean, she, she hit the mark, but could was just been like, I'll take the champagne i I'll talk to her saying thank you to him. Um, yeah. but the, you know that Cheryl, she's really stuck up. Yeah, she doesn't even say thank you when you give her a glass of champagne. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the other thing was, again, we can come to the analysis. Uh, it's I, I think it's the first, like, it's hard to say, it's the first time Emma Thompson gets to actually show a bit of acting do, chops do anything yeah you're right yeah, yeah. to do anything because yeah. she basically says you know um she she she's being again still quite you know um buttoned up about it because that's her character but she she's clearly hurt and basically and she's trying to get through it as quickly and as efficiently as possible and she's like and you know run um jeff goblin was saying you know she meant nothing to me and everyone's going yes she did but then at the time i meant nothing to you and i'm worth more than yeah. nothing, so i'm going and that was that so yeah. she breaks it but it's again it's the first time we think from all the Emma Thompson scenes to come, you can, see, you can see where that's the first time she actually got to begin doing it. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Emma Thompson she, does it's that. It's a come. really, it's a really good scene as well. She's she's quietly powerful in it, I think.
0: Yeah, but no one, no one does you know torn up dignity quite like Emma Thompson does anyway. That's so it's a, true. Yeah. so there, so there was that. Um, but that's when now Dexter is alone. So even though he's very successful in Elephant, he's heartbroken. So um, yeah. so he's basically he mopes on a bench, which which shows he's heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and then the thing, the next the, the final the what that sends into the finale is Dexter is about to go on stage again for Elephant, and he sees um a, an award ceremony from the previous night where um. John, Ron, Ron in- Ron Anderson, John, oh, John in- Inman, bless him, is <laughs> presenting. Uh, he's presenting Ron Anderson with his award for best comedic performance. But Ron Anderson's date for the evening is Emma Thompson. We yes. don't, <laughs> it's a leap. Why Ron Anderson it, is, is- it is a leap, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, it's it's leap, did, it the
1: party. last scene you see them together in yeah. is at the opening night party yeah. where it's clear that Ron Anderson is boring the hell out of Kate Lemon.
0: Yeah. Um, so She went to the party, so th- this prompts Dexter to 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 put again Cypress Charlie in charge of being the elephant man because it worked out so well last time.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> he then dashes to Ron Anderson's uh, theatre, kidnaps him, ties him to a chair, <laughs> forces a confession from Ron that nothing happened between him and Kate, and then he steals his car and drives at full tilt to the hospital where Kate works, yeah. um, so he can confess his love and and you know apologize and win her back. Um, and, and, it, 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 and works. Would say she, it works. It, it works. She says, "She's quite busy in this hospital because yeah. there's been a car crash at the M40, and yeah. people. So the, the, the corridors are rammed with injured people, and they actually claim people dead as they pass through. But Dexter thinks this is the moment he needs her time." <laughs> um and said, yeah, so basically after saying he's learned his lesson and he's very sorry, that that's it. She goes, Okay then. Um, yeah. and that's and that's about that. And that, that is literally the end of the film. That is the end of the film. And then we segue back into um to madness singing it must be love which we yeah. did have in the middle of the film, um we've got yeah. to mention, as soon as Dexter and um and Kate get together, we we're treated to a madness montage where um both Dexter and Kate are dancing around, you know, building their their lovely life together yeah. and then um the Everyone else sings along too. So various yep. extras sing along. It must be love. Suggs appears and sings along yep. too. Um, a pair and of underpants in,
1: in torn, a torn suit.
0: Yeah, I think that was just Suggs's style.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it was a couple of years after Madness's heyday, so maybe he was just you know making do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean. um, and then a pair of underpants come to life and joins yeah. in the singing
1: um, yeah so it's, ve- it's very magical realism I think cause I think, it's, I,
0: I think it, so because the underpants don't reappear
1: no they don't no. and it's outside of the actual narrative of the film as well it's like a little segue into a musical number
0: yeah which um, this film this film does it does treat itself to a number of, of again segues that, that, that Again, that don't go anywhere. Yeah, but but also uh, cutaways, magical realism. There's a moment after Dexter is given his his first date with Kate when um, an actor, who I'm going to go on a limb and say was not Jeff Goldblum, runs across a hill silhouetted by an enormous moon yeah, it was and so somersaults
1: crazy. a lot. <laughs> I thought it was a man in a bear suit.
0: I thought it was a bear as well. Do you know why? Because I think yeah. there was a, a film called The Bear where that thing happened. Um, and I, as soon as I saw it, I thought that's the bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it was the hands. Yeah. the hands looked like he
1: was wearing kind of uh, gloves.
0: He probably was wearing gloves because he's supposed to do lots of somersaults. He's in full thing, but yeah. Um, do you know? I I took a bear from that as well.
1: Yeah, oh, I, I, I certainly thought that's why have we cut to a scene of a bear doing somersaults in front of the moon?
0: It was good somersaults. Though. I was quite impressed with it. Uh, very that, good that for is, a bear. For, well, for anyone, I couldn't do them. <laughs> I, uh, no. So, um, so that's it. That is. The plot, um, I bet we've got through this in pretty good time. But I mean, lots, there's lots of analysis to come through, and believe you me, I think we'll, we'll crack into it. So join us after the jingle. Indeed. Welcome back. Um, and I think some explanations in order, and because you, dear listener, have stuck with us for the first 20 minutes, you deserve to, to hear the truth. Uh, James, you may notice, is quite echoey. And that is because he is presently secluded uh, in a cavernous space.
1: I am. That cavernous space is not a toilet. Um, It is a kitchen. Um, And I've moved house. And the reason why we tried to rattle through the first section of the tall guy was because I'm currently tethering um, my internet connection from my mobile data,
0: as I don't have any internet connection at the moment. Thank you very much, Virgin Media. virgin media who also produced the tall guy in association with lwt
1: yeah that's weird isn't it london weekend television produced the Tall Guy*, and there's a little dig at granada in the <laughs> film as well um we're in in the in the awards scene um when john inman introduces um i can't remember who it is it's it's griff jones yeah uh, as a nomination for a drama uh shown by Granada TV. Oh, was it? It was like Whoops Hamlet or something.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, Whoops Hamlet, yeah. Uh-huh. But we digress. So James is not in a toilet. Let's be quick no, about that. But no, he is tethering we, we, his data. And so I'd like you to imagine. We need to ma- get through this podcasting. <laughs> we like need to you get it. through it. It's costing me money. <laughs> I'd like you to imagine a, a a small bar dipping slowly, slowly towards its conclusion. And if we don't, you know, get those floating Crombie head votes out before its conclusion, this may never, this never see the light of the airwaves. So this is not.
1: This ain't gonna be no too late. The hero. <laughs>
0: You need a second phone for that.
1: I did, yeah. I would, yeah, yeah.
0: So, as let's let's crack on then. So, James, could you tell us why you chose the tall guy?
1: Well, interestingly, and um, in in a in a fit of spontaneity, um, I didn't choose the tall guy. <sighs> dun, 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 um,
2: <laughs>
1: um, it chose oh, you. In... It chose me, yes. No, um, my wife, who is a sometime listener of The Weekend at Crombie's podcast, she listens live because we live in the same house together and <laughs> I have a loud voice. Um, so she, she listens live. Just and she live because she can't was, help it. She was made aware of um, Mrs. Morgan's um, offer of choosing a film for the episode seven of volume two of weekend at convis which was carrie pilby also known as karen pilby carrie philby maggie philbin. maggie philbin um and she's not having any of that and so she thinks well all right if mrs morgan's allowed then i'm allowed as well and in fairness to her and this is not meant to sound condescending in any way shape or form she chose the tall guy which was on my radar oh. um as a potential weekend at comics film anyway and i think perhaps it was on your radar as well I,
0: I i do you know what i it was on my radar but i didn't pick it because i thought it was more successful than it was because of my association with it i, I listened to it when i was i watched it when i was young and really enjoyed it and i see and because of the subsequent actors in it and the the, the success yeah. of other films yeah. i assumed it was a big hit but it wasn't it was a it was a box office flop um and it was and, a very small film at the time it was, very, was it? it was a very small film and it um so in fact, it is, yes, very much in the vein of Rue Kindergrombies, and had I known more about it, it would have been higher on my list, because it's exactly the kind of film it was produced in 1989, it has a lot of good stars in it, it has a lot of good names attached to it, and it was hopelessly overlooked at the time, so yes. And, yeah,
1: uh, and um, um, the missus was saying that effectively it's a film that she watched regularly, over and over again, in her early teenage years, so it would have been in the... Early to mid-90s, <laughs> effectively. Um, and and yet... A lady
0: would never reveal her age, James.
1: <laughs> <And> broadcast!
0: <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs>
1: um... And uh, then just didn't watch it again and hadn't seen it since we watched it together the other day. And that is incredibly similar to me as well, in the sense that I I must have watched it. I've seen The Tallboy many, many times, but not since the early 90s, I don't think. I must have seen it loads of times. There's probably a particular reason why I've seen it quite a lot of times, um, the iconic scene, for example. But
0: let's, let's not dwell on that. I think um, the reason it's so many times was it was made by LWT and it was on all the time. Um, you're right. Yeah, same yeah. for me. I had it on my VHS and I, had, I was on regular cycling in the early 90s when I was watching it too. So, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And also, I think that when, I mean, I can't speak for, for um, Emma particularly, but when I would have watched it, if I was 11, 12, 13, although, although the language in the tour guide, some of the scenes are quite adult, it has a childish humour to it not it? You know, it's as, it's, as is it's much of Richard Curtis's silly.
0: films like that, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I can imagine I would have enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, as, a, as a daft, a daft kind of 90 minutes, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's almost as if they, again, the is the bad language is thrown in there to, to up it up to like a PG 13, when in fact it would be a sort of a PG film, but that would be people would take it as a family film, and it's not really yeah. that at all. But you've, but it's so innocent in that
1: um it is i mean even even the even the, the the language in it although a lot of it is is quite strong it i don't know it it feels quite um it feels quite innocent yeah. you know it's 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 funny cussing
0: yeah
1: it's it's not serious cussing you know so but, it, it doesn't have that offensiveness to it i don't think yeah
0: but we uh, so that's we picked it and now i think we yeah. can take a look at the analysis of it because again i was Again, same position as you, hadn't seen it for years and years, but know it so well I could I could recite it rote. Yeah. Um, so I was genuinely interested to watch it again. And before this began, if I had to sort of chart my favourite of the Richard Curtis films, this would have been head and shoulders above the rest, simply from yeah. Mem- yeah. my memory of it, and my, my association with it. Um, and I think it might be a good place to begin there saying this is the, the protoplasm <laughs> from which all the Richard Curtis films came in the analysis. Um, it was you've got the the terribly awkward leading man um you've got kind of the the romantic lead who is almost nothing more than a cypher it's it's all about the, the central character and and he's got his wacky friends again yeah. um, dexter has cypress charlie who is the fun little foreign man he has um the wacky housemate who keeps having yeah. lots of sex um yeah. again ron atkinson has a cameo part there's The the romance happens immediately, um, as in he gets hit by the lightning bolt, he doesn't need to engage. It it gets resolved very quickly, and they have to throw in a few bumps in the end, um, just to make it dramatic, because actually it goes quite smoothly. And it ends in a big chase, um, which in fact um, it it was. was, With this one, he's not even going to an airport. There's no ticking clock. He doesn't need to interrupt Kate Lemon in the middle of the M40 crash thing. He could just (laughs) call her tomorrow. Um, But but all that is there, and you could literally just lift bits out of this film and put it into Four Weddings and a Funeral, or put it into um, into um, Notting Hill, or put it in even to Love Actually, or this kind of stuff. And it's all just pick them all up and put them all down again. And guess where this differs in a few ways is firstly, it's not just the Richard Curtis films that began. It's like because it was Mel Smith and again because of Rowan Atkinson and all that kind of stuff, it merges in a bit of the not the nine o'clock news in there yeah. that didn't carry across thing because it maybe wasn't successful. Um yeah. I don't think it worked particularly well in this film because it it again it was trying to be that kind of sweet romantic comedy but also had that kind of wacky not quite Monty Python thing where they kept cutting yeah. away to things like I don't know the, the singing underpants or the cutaways to the the funny flashbacks when he's meeting all the women, yeah. and that stuff has the feel of a sketch show to it. It's it's exactly. it's what would be in not the nine o'clock news where you put those things in to keep the laughs going, um, yeah. and that stuff almost got shaved away as, as the, the, the the formula got refined.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, you you can you can well, it, interestingly, to begin with, I had no idea that this was written by Richard Curtis until I watched it the other day. And obviously his name is written by Richard Curtis. And I was like, oh, right, okay, it's a Richard, it's a Richard Curtis film. And then as I was watching it, I thought, yeah, of course it's a Richard Curtis film. Yeah. This is this is such a Richard Curtis film. It's unbelievable. Although, do you know the I history of,
0: of the inspiration behind this? Because um, Richard well, Curtis it, it... was the, the straight man to Rowan Atkinson in, in the shows yeah. in the early years. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So
1: it's partly autobiographical. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that Rowan Atkinson wasn't quite the arsehole that he's portrayed as in the film, or I presume they wouldn't still be friends.
0: <laughs> no. I, well, again, interestingly, when they sent the script to Rowan Atkinson, he, he his reply back was, that's great. What part do you want me to play? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he must have been joking that can't be real
0: yeah well again even he, he was just being very ironic saying i know yeah. you've written the side for me although to be honest again we can get into the casting i see as, as again we'll, well we'll touch on the casting right now because i've started yeah I think Jeff Goldblum is a very charismatic leading man and has done some yes. great films. And I think he is hopelessly miscast in this film. <laughs> he, is, he is just not the bumbling Englishman this role needs it to be. And if you look at it in terms of you know, the historical genre of the richest ghost films, there is a Hugh Grant-shaped hole where the leading yeah. man needs to fit in. Because some, the, way, the way it's just written... There was the things that he says that almost the, the 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 bumbling, the stumbling, the, the the jittering. It's written for a foppish Englishman, not is, for a, is, not for is, a tall, confident. He's even when he's trying to be almost pathetic, he's quite louche and he's quite yeah. cool because he's Jeff Goldblum and he, he projects that no matter what. It does. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting when Rowan Atkinson said that. Um, I, I it's not exactly Rowan Atkinson's main genre he is the funny rubber man or the, the complete swine but yeah. he I could see him as a Dexter King role where he's yeah. he's a bit jittery and he's a bit you know trying to be charming and he's a bit put upon um and if you have Jeff Colburn as the main star of the Ron Atkins show that um the Ron Anderson show that might work better but I do think it interesting that the talent they had to work with whether it was let's get a big American star to do this mm-hmm. but I mean, what were your thoughts in terms of how he fits in the, the, the role? Yeah.
1: Well, I, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I don't disagree. I, I think, I think I'm, I'm more um, favourable to Jeff Goldblum in this than perhaps you are. Yeah. I, do, I do, I do think he doesn't quite fit in the role, um, and in, in many ways it's ironic because he's supposed to be ungainly and a, a, a misfit in the film, and I think that actually Jeff Goldblum himself as an actor in the film is slightly mis, mis He's a misfit in yeah. it as well. He doesn't yeah. quite fit in it. Nevertheless, though, I did find him funny yeah.
2: um,
1: in a lot of instances. And I, I found the, I found his chemistry with Emma Thompson, in, in, in warming and engaging and sweet, particularly in the first half of the film. So I, you know, he, he, he isn't, I suppose the thing is he isn't a Hugh Grant and he isn't, um, you know like a Colin Firth yeah. type character um, and if he was I think the film would I, I'm not sure the film the film would be a very different film it, it, it he, he is what he is he doesn't always work but I think when it does work it, it hits the mark for me anyway yeah. so I particularly liked the there's a lot of physical comedy in it from him yeah and I don't think that Hugh Grant or Colin Firth would do physical comedy as well yeah. they do the foppishness the jitteriness and the kind of quintessential englishness well but jeff goldbrum does it there's a there's a there's a clumsiness to him which is his physical characteristic is, you know very tall he's gangly he looks odd yeah. and that i think worked quite well as being a kind of physicalness but i do agree with you that if it was slightly yeah. reworked yeah. into into a kind of huge grant figure, it would probably have been something
0: like four weddings and a funeral. Yeah, yeah,
1: you, you know what I mean. And so therefore, again, this is the prototype version of that.
0: Absolutely, and it's funny they they went with um sort of the American leading lady. It's almost like they they need to have an American in the film yeah, for appeal, but it yeah. chooses the one if any because because the leading ladies in the in the subsequent films don't actually have a lot to do. Even when Julie Roberts is there, she's very underused. Right. Um, yeah, but he so, so, so he sort of pours all the comedy into the Englishman cipher. And it's funny how. I agree with you, Jeff Goblin was very good with some of the physical comedy. Um, that's almost the yeah. part where. Richard Curtis I guess would have the least input because it's not in the script it's and it's yeah. obviously Dexter's something funny here he sneezes a yeah. lot and there's a moment when he's sneezing and trying to keep it off his record that he's trying to play yeah. and that's very funny because he dances around the entire room um, <laughs> and actually one of the, the laugh out loud moments I had in the, in the thing there were actually many I, I was obviously was less entertained by the movie than I remember me because I'm so familiar and i just more cynical with it yeah. um, but there's a scene when he's he's dating someone um, who he just doesn't want to be with um, but he's now goes to the toilet and he's basically just freaking out and when he He's finished a little freak out. He just forlornly buys a condom from the vending machine. <laughs> yeah, it <does. laughs> and it was just... That was genuinely funny because there it was, it was a lot yeah. in, the, in the performance of that. So he, it, what he does well, he does very well. But yeah. when when he's doing that kind of that mumbling, it's not that he can't deliver funny lines. No, know. of course not. But, no, he's, just but he's a good actor, right? Yeah, but I always find... Um, uh, I find this actually when you get like, you know, um, very successful, say French actors come over and do American movies and you yeah. think, why are they successful? They're not very good. Acting through a foreign language takes a lot out of the performance, I think. And I think yeah. English to American is a foreign language. And um, so you can lose some of the yeah. some of the, the, the translation in just the delivery of things.
1: Yeah, you're right. And, and d- 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 you know, despite Jeff Goldblum being the the main character in this, the leading man, this is a very British film. Yeah, you know, this is rooted in 1980s. Um, comedy, British comedy, you know, very successful 1980s British comedy. There's a lot of, um, there, there would be necessarily, but there's a lot of blackadderisms in in, in the oh, script yeah, yeah. delivered by Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. You know, the the um the the kind of rude interjections. You know, um, what in I the
0: name of Judas Iscariot's Bamboy are you playing at? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That you know that that's that's blackadder, isn't it? Yeah, which but is that's... again, which is interesting because again, this film. Uh, I will swiftly delve into another weekend at Crombie's film we had, yeah. Nuns on the Run, which is pretty much yeah. released at the same time as this, which yeah. I came to really surprise me. This didn't feel like a 1989 film. It felt like a 1984 kind of thing, because that was when 9 O'Clock News was, was, was just finished, because yeah. yeah. that finished in '82, and, and that was when the stars were kind of emerging. And this is sort of yeah. five, six years on. And you think, well, they're, they're, they're apex. Now. This is this is Blackadder Goes Forth when it was huge. And mm-hmm. it's a funny kind of film to bring out. Um, yeah. And And actually, the comedy is dated in the sense that it's, it's very much, you know, it's having a go at Lloyd Webber musicals and it's having a go at um, Stephen, yeah. um, not, um, not Polyakov, Berkhoff, Berkhoff, um, yeah. which is like, a, it's a satire that nine, yeah. not the nine o'clock news did, but satire will age very quickly. Whereas say Nuns on the Run, actually, I thought age is a lot better because it's just a caper. Um, and apart from the fact that the cars and the mobile phones are older, it, it's still just a caper. So it doesn't feel as old as this one did, even though they're pretty much side by side.
1: That's That's true. But I did find the tool going much funnier yeah. than Nuns on the Run. Oh,
0: it wasn't, um, it wasn't a good thing about quality, it was more about the case of how it ages. Um, yeah, and yeah this
1: certainly, it's, this is it's felt... very dated. It's yeah. very dated in its references and it's very dated in its style. But it's still funny. So I know what you're saying about the Stephen Burkoff kind of um, satire, yes. but the scene where Jeff Goldblum is doing his auditions, <laughs> I was I found that really funny. So the Stephen Burkoff one is when you've got a, a, a series of kind of hooligans just swearing at each other. It's
0: kind of, this is England, yeah.
1: That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this is England, yeah. And then Jeff Goldblum comes in and a really got kind of a soft American accent, and it's just, just really funny. And then there's the other scene where um, <laughs> he's, he's doing the audition in what looks like a regional. Um, kind of library or something like that, with with uh, uh, some uh, like an old man and, and a woman. And you know, this this old man who's clearly the director, he's he's going on in quite detail about this particular role. He says, okay, so you know, I'm here. I'm going to wind the window down, and I say to you, excuse me, sir, could you tell me where such and such is in
2: <laughs> like
1: a yeah, yes it is <laughs> That's what, and it's done in such a kind of grand way it just yeah. made me laugh quite a lot yeah. and then when you I have to admit as well I'd forgotten that the bulk of the latter half of the film was about the musical elephant, elephant. to the extent that
0: it was quite fresh yeah, well, cause want... let's, yeah. Let's just let's come on to Elephant. Um 'cause because it, it, it's a, it's again it's, the funny thing is it's a send up of the Lloyd Webber thing. The idea is, oh, they'll make a music about anything if they if they can yeah. do cats and Jesus Christ <laughs> Superstar, they'll do about John Merrick. Yeah. How ridiculous yeah. is that? Yeah. But, I mean, through through you know, thirty years onwards. I think the musical's pretty good. I'd watch that musical. It's a, I would as well. It's yeah. a lot of fun. And it's almost, it's too good to be a send-up because the, the the songs have you tapping your toes. Um, yeah. you know, there's it's, a, dance sequence there's a dance sequence with four or five elephants. Yeah. And it's really quite good. Yeah, it's, it's like Fosse because they're, they're doing their things and their, their trunks go <laughs> up and down when they pull them on strings and this kind of stuff. Yeah, it um, and it is good. Yeah, there, there's some there's some funny, again, they're, they're meant to be funny um funny things like you know I guess he's packing his trunk and this kind of stuff but it's sung it... quite heartfelt and obviously yeah. most musicals have ridiculous lyrics anyway so you can see past it so it's, I don't th- I think it's not quite as silly as the film need, wants it to be because it's yeah. quite fun have you seen yeah. the episode of the it crowd where do you ever, have you seen the it crowd i am aware of
1: the it crowd yes okay so there's one episode where they all go to this musical called gay yeah. and it's it's like the it's the most gay musical that there is and it's it's so over the top and it it's that is what i think elephant is aiming for
0: yeah i think doesn't it's it doesn't quite get there because it's
1: it's all it's almost too good an idea
0: yeah it's going for the kind of springtime for hitler thing that's, yeah, that's is, so yeah. awful but it's not actually quite it's quite a good idea yeah, it, it is quite a good idea and it, it begins you know in the london fog it's like a, a sondheim musical yeah um, it's it's youth hosteling with chris eubank isn't it <laughs> that has become a thing yeah it's fair because i think mel smith has has had experience in musicals before. I think he maybe he put he did he did too good a job um, yeah. of of making that happen. Um, whereas ironically, I did think. The, um, the snippets of the Ron Anderson show we see, we don't actually see full sketches, but we get an idea yeah. of it. It doesn't seem a very good show, which is funny because that... it, it's drawn from Rowan Atkinson's actual show that Richard Curtis wrote and was deeply involved in being in. Yeah. But you have, like, you know, they, they, they dress as a couple of nuns dancing in suspenders and there's, there's a, a Mr. Bean sketch there and this kind of stuff. And you're thinking, you know, this is meant to be the award-winning fantastic yeah. sketch show. And it's very hard to do comedy within a comedy. Yeah, um, yeah. But it is funny how the show they're meant to really know about doesn't come across as the goofy musical they're meant to be sending up.
1: Well, I, I wonder whether that was deliberate. I didn't want to give away uh,
0: too uh, much good material.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder whether that was deliberate because I, I, I wonder whether the uh, the Ron Anderson sketches are they are deliberately bad and it, it, it's basically saying this is a the, you know he's not a talent. Yeah. This is this is poor comedy, yeah. um, and what's annoying is that he's really famous and popular despite having no real talent. Yeah, that's a good. Whereas, point. whereas the Elephant uh, musical is it it it's it that is also trying to send up the kind of Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals, but but as you say, it's just slightly too good an idea um, executed in slightly too good a way, which yeah. is really which is you know it's a minor it's a minor criticism, isn't it? Because yeah. what we're saying is effective they've 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 stumbled on a cracking idea. And they've they've done it as well as it would probably be done. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'll, t- I'll tell you again one of the, the laugh out loud moments I had was in the after show party. They're they to do another send up, where they're saying you know the director was talking to one of the stars saying you know what's next for the project, and he goes oh we're back to Shakespeare, and you think they're going to talk about a lovely Shakespeare film or yeah. no Shakespeare play, and he goes yes there's a there's a Richard III adaptation musical called Dirty Dick that's pretty good, and then you you, you forget about it. It's a one off gag, where they just yeah. they laugh at that, and then you smash cut back to the two same guys who are now completely drunk and yeah. they're singing one of the songs it, saying I've got a hunch I'm gonna be king <coughs> ba-da, ba-da. and because it's shown without any kind of context um, it's, it's really, really funny yeah it is funny Yeah. Um, but once again I'd watch that musical that sounds great it does sound great doesn't it, it how <laughs> yeah. time flies it's different isn't it yeah. so I mean
1: so uh, we've spoken about Jeff Goldblum a little yeah. bit who, who I think I, I'm, I'm more keen on than you in the film but nevertheless I do appreciate that he's I wouldn't say he's miscast but there's there's something not quite right about the casting of it. Funny,
0: and actually, even though they put him, they, there's scenes where they put him in like a, a cricket flannels and and um, and, jumping yes, and everything is yeah. to make him more English, but he's just like Doctor Who. <laughs> he
1: does look like Doctor Who. That's it. Yeah. Um, I want to go on to Emma Thompson as well because yeah. her debut role. Her debut role. Which yeah, seems and... crazy
0: in '89 as well. It's why I felt this film was so much early. It's like I, Emma Thompson waited until '89 to appear on screen.
1: So when did she win her? Oscar. So she was in. Was it? Um, oh, the the one with um, uh, Anthony Hopkins. We we'll come back to Anthony Hopkins. Remains again. of the day. Yeah, yeah. Taboo
0: so, sir! I shall be your butlers. Sir. <laughs> butler, sir! I shall be your butlers. Ah, sir! Damn eyes. See, that
1: that was not Anthony Hopkins in Remains of the Day. It's quite a restrained performance. In I know. Of the day. I think. I think I think, he, he, I think. I think. I think. If he. I think. If
0: he'd friend. gone for it, he might have gotten the Oscar too. You know. <laughs> So, so I think she was
1: awarded. She got the Oscar for Best Actress that year, and that was a year after this. Was it? Yeah, a year or two years. It was very. It was very very, around
0: the same kind of era. I think she landed with a splash. She was her and her and Ken were very much the it crowd for the early nineties. Yeah, and but until Grant came along and ruined everyone's (laughs) career. Even though it is even weak. though it's let me get my point out. Gary, sorry. Even though it's, and I know so, your bandwidth is dropping and you've got something important to say. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: I've, God, <laughs> um, I've spent a gig. If we've got, even if it's her, even though it's her first role, I, I think she's underused in this. Oh yeah. Um, and okay, it's her first role, but she was Emma Thompson was well known in the comedy theatre world, so she was part of the Cambridge Footlight scene along with people like. Um, uh, Richard Curtis and, and Owen Atkinson um, and other people like Stephen Fry and so on and so forth. So she had a
0: very it, short-lived um, sketch show with Imelda Staunton, um, which, yes, is wor- which is worth a Google because it, is, it yes, is just terrible. That's right, <laughs> actually, yeah, yeah. It's um, possibly the worst sketch show by two Awa- Academy Award winning actresses <laughs> you'll ever see. Is Imelda Staunton won Amel- an Academy Amel- Award? Ah, yes, she won it for um, Vera Drake, wasn't it?
1: Oh, very yes. So she has, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, there we are. I know um, my films. Yeah, you do, you do. So I think she's a little bit underused. Now, that's not to say that she isn't good in this film. I think she's great in this film mm. for what she's given. She's she plays Kate Lemon in a really, um, really interesting way. In that she's quite forthright, quite stern, but quite warm as well. Yeah. She's kooky, but not irritatingly so. Yes. Um, but I just think that she doesn't have enough to do, and it's a shame because because the the narrative and the structure of the film revolves so heavily around Jeff Goldblum's character that the relationship with Emma Thompson is a little bit lost.
0: Yeah, very much so. Um, and it's it I, I agree with with. Yeah, Kate Lemon. I think, again, Emma Thompson does the, the writing more justice than this deserves, because yeah. uh, if you're aware of the, the manic pixie dream girl trope, um, she's almost like the manic pixie public school girl uh, in this. Yeah. Uh, she's, you know, she's very forthright about what she wants. Um, she she doesn't sort of, um, she basically invites him back, says, you know, I'll, I will go out with you. OK, I'll go out with you, and then I'll have sex with you, and then I'll be your girlfriend, and now mm. I'm dumping you, and no, I'll have you back now. And it's, there's almost no push w- in with her, and she's just simply there in Dexter's life, to go along things it's it's ironic that um they uh when dexter is trying to work up the nerve to ask her out he asks his friend cypress charlie um <coughs> who's again a very comic trope about the little foreigner um about you know you pretend to be kate and i'll ask you out and he asks her out and cypress charlie goes in this massive over the top oh yes i will you big sexy man take me now <laughs> yeah. take me now and yeah. that's meant to be played for laughs in fact that's exactly what happens he asks <laughs> her out, and she immediately <laughs> yeah. says okay well let's sleep together um but yeah she's yeah. She's very much the, sort of the, the bland female lead that Richard Curtis drops into a lot of his films, because yeah. uh, well, either because he he prefers writing you know the, the the central guy or because it's easier that way to just have one character passing through the story and having things revolve around it. Because again, Dexter has sort of he has the he has the, um uh, his his best mate who's the who's type Charlie. He has the, the kooky flatmate. He has um the uh, a disabled blind man which again is a British Curtis trope having a disabled best friend um who's again allergic to his guide dog so sneezing is is two running gags which is I think is probably one running gag too many the the, the the blind man is allergic to his guide dog so he's sneezing as well so there's a lot of sneezing in the film but again so Dexter has all these these things to rotate around and Kate just has to be Dexter's girlfriend in it
2: yeah
1: I, I agree and to be honest I think that's a bit criminal because um she's you know, she's, she's she's as sharp as ever, effectively. Yeah, yeah. And she, you know, she delivers real moments of pathos in the film as well. The, the, the scene where she decides to leave him is is is, is really well played from her yeah. perspective. But she's cast in a romantic comedy as the passive girlfriend of Jeff Goldblum. Mm. And she's got nothing to do.
0: Yeah, in many mean, yeah, in many ways, that's why sort of Andy McDowell was a better cast in Four Weddings and yeah. because she had nothing to do, but she didn't need she didn't need to didn't do anything at all. So, yes, yeah, so perfect, yeah. just just to yeah. stand there in a hat. Um, whereas, yeah. yeah, you're right to to have uh, Emma Thompson there, and and to yeah, to do so little, um, and just to hey, have a have a few have a few deliver a few gags, but not really impact on the story. Um, well,
1: well, I think I think the funniest scene that she has in the film is probably the the, the sex scene, um, which is which as i said at the start is is probably more conceptually funny than actually a gag
2: yeah
1: in the sense that it's played for it's played for laughs in the sense of the wildness of it and the fact that you know you're squashing fruit and you're smashing plates and you're you're bumping on the piano and all this kind of stuff it's not really her being funny or him being funny it's the conceptual element of it it's probably Mel smith and his comedic eye doing that. But there's no other way in for her with that, which, which I think is a shame given her talents. But then I suppose maybe we might be looking at this retrospectively yes.
2: on, on
1: her career as a consequence of it, whereas actually at the time, although she would have been a well-known um, comedy actor, I suppose, but she wasn't a film star Yeah. Yeah. in any way, shape or form at that time. So it would have been a bit of a risk to... Cast her, I guess.
0: Well, I, don't, I think you know in the screenwriting stage you can you can flesh out characters better than you've done so. Um, yeah, not I, I did actually feel um, a lot of the the gags in in for what you know for a comedy again with this kind of pedigree. And not just you know, from Richard Curtis was already, you know, quite an established comedy writer, he'd be doing it for a decade. He'd be doing it with again Rowan Atkinson. Mel Smith was involved too. There are mm-hmm. a lot of funny things in here and the gags are quite laboured in some places. Some of them are good some... guys, we talked about those. Some of them though, again, there's um again his his blind mate, um, who's who's basically, you know, says you know, Dexter, you've never looked better. And then you cut away and you wait mm-hmm. and you wait and he goes, I've never, you know, I've never seen you look better. I've never seen him at all. where like, well, we, yeah. you've lived out there's, um, there's a, there's moment when Dexter fails again to ask Kate out, and they smash cut to doctors looking into, into basically operating on Dexter in his mind, and yeah. he goes, we, we can see a, a heart and lungs, but no spine. Yeah. What do you mean? This <laughs> yes. man is spineless. He's spineless. He's completely spineless. Like, you've, you've delivered the gag. You can now leave. Yeah. You've, yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: And so there's a few moments like that. Actually, I thought, funny. if the sex scene, which was, again, was, again, iconic and hilarious. But the next cutaway, when they both just collapse on the floor, um, is when Kate goes, wow, that was wild. And I thought, no, you're supposed to say, you know, Do you fancy a cup of tea, which would completely undercut yeah, it and yeah, make it funny. Yeah, you didn't need to tell
1: us it was wild.
0: Yeah, and, I, and so that was where I almost see this as kind of the the the, the clay to be shaped, because there's a lot, yeah. it, it just needed, again, we've talked about before, a lot of films just need 10% tightening and they'd yeah. be a lot better. Um, yeah. And that's that was one of the things, and it may be now because I know it so well, I'm looking for the, the gaps in it, but I thought there were places where I felt I could have, they could have got a laugh out of me and they either laboured it or missed the gag. And yeah again to to call back to um like, which maybe is a lesser film Nuns on the run, they were throwing every gag at the screen and it, they were. <laughs> and, yeah. and it felt like it was just working harder, whereas this felt like it didn't need to because maybe it was a bit more relaxed in its in its leading man and its concept or whatever, but it was yeah. I thought yeah. that made it again maybe more charming, maybe more leisurely, but probably I think it it could have been funnier than it was yeah i think I think
1: that's fair i mean i I did laugh a lot, I laughed a lot in the first half of the film, yeah. I found um and from the moment that the elephant musical kicked in yeah. i laughed at the concept of it and then i laughed at, i laughed at some of the, the kind of lyrics of the songs i didn't laugh much after that yeah. and that you know that's about 50 minutes into the film so for 50 minutes i was pretty much with it yeah you know laughing pretty regularly and yeah. thinking oh yeah this is i remember this yeah this is good this is funny
0: yeah
1: and then at the end of the film i looked back and thought well it, that that lost its way a little bit,
0: and I think again, as as the contrivances build, as Richard Curtis basically reaches a stage where Dexter is successfully the Alpha Man, happy with Kate, and needs to throw more things at it, and he's so this out is and... th- this is
1: where I'm going to get to my okay. with my biggest issue with the film. Yeah,
0: they've run out of ideas.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're out of ideas, and it's the it's the. Um, Oh, what's the phrase i'm looking for it, it, it's the challenge that's thrown in yeah which is the fact that dexter um commits adultery do you
0: know what? that was my next point yeah so go ahead yeah. uh, and,
1: and i suppose i suppose and you know this might have been refined over the years or maybe just the the the, the mid to late 80s was a smuttier <laughs> and a, a less a less kind of um, Chaste. yeah yeah and, and maybe i mean the film is quite smutty uh, smutty smuttier than i remember it being certainly is, it, in you know uh, uh, certainly when you compare it to um some of the films in the kind of the, the late two thousand uh, sorry sorry the early to mid 2010s this is a lot smuttier yeah, and it kind yeah. of wears its smuttiness on its sleeve a little bit which is quite nice
0: but am i right but... in thinking that your issue is dexter cheats on kate with almost no impetus to do so and it's done yeah. he, he, he almost does it idly um
1: yeah yeah he does it idly and then that that is the problem that needs to be overcome
2: yeah
1: and it's overcome relatively easily that's one aspect of it the second aspect of it is the point at which dexter does cheat on kate happens with about 20 minutes left yeah and so you get to the point where everything needs to be squeezed into this last 20 25 minutes Up until which point you've got a relatively tight, well-functioning relationship. That in a romantic comedy, you need something else. But it needed to come earlier yeah, so that it could then sort itself out better. Because to be honest, I was quite unsatisfied with the hospital scene at the end yeah. where where Kate effectively... Pretty quickly, just forgives him and goes, "Yeah, okay, that's fine." And it's because they ran out of time, right? The yeah. ended. It, the film was ninety minutes long. That was it. Yeah. And for me, uh, nowadays, I don't think you would have a. You'd, I don't think you'd have a, a a point of contention where the main lead character actually does something which is morally reprehensible. Yeah. And gets away with it. Yeah. You know, because we, first of he yeah. does it as well. So I was kind of half expecting. Um, a reveal which would be actually he was tempted but he didn't go ahead with it yeah and
0: it didn't actually yeah, no he does yeah and it was because again it was um, it was it came out of nowhere we don't actually yes. see it, you know, apart from one scene when he goes back into bed having cheated for the first time and basically mm-hmm. says goodnight to Kate and that's the only time he's, sort of, he's cheating on her and lying to her because the next time is basically the, the show and then the breakup uh, so there's no sort of moments of deceit when he's, mm-hmm. he's cheating he's lying to her um, and yeah, it's there's um and it's resolved he basically goes to saying I've learned my lesson, I will have never do it again, I've paid yeah. I've paid my my punishment. What he's had is two months of being broken up and not it and still enjoying success and everything else he wanted. He just has a yeah. two month split and then she goes all oh, right then. And that's it. So
1: yes, so so and I know I know it's a romantic comedy and I know it's a Richie Curtis romantic comedy which has an element of fantasy to it. Yeah. But what I want to know is why would Kate Lemon get back with dexter king
0: why yeah obviously why why would dexter king cheat in the first place and i've got a fix for it and it's twofold (laughs) the first thing is um kate lemon quite vocally and throughout the film disparages acting and actors she's she's saying acting is the easiest profession in the world i don't really want to go out with an actor and throughout the whole this is interesting through the performance of elephant Dexter's flatmate um, is watching the show. She's really invested in his success. She's willing him on. She's been with him through years when he hasn't been successful and she's genuinely moved by the show. Kate is Mm. bored or basically amused like this is silly, which I think we're meant to associate with Kate, thinking, oh, we're on Kate's side. We're too good for this as well. But the whole thing makes Kate seem quite above this and quite... That's a one moment. Actually, thinking you should it's be supportive him at this moment. This is this is. He's he's talked about how he's yeah. never had a good role. He's never leading a West End show, and he and you've you've just got to be with him for that night. Doesn't matter because she doesn't know he's cheating at this point. So there's right. no reason why she can't be a supportive partner. Um, and it doesn't
1: matter that it's daft and stupid, does it? Yeah. It doesn't matter. The yeah. point is, is that you're not you're there for for him, not yeah. For yeah. the... And I've been cracking loads thing. of
0: shows. <laughs> I don't want to be <laughs> there. and you, you applaud and you applaud. <laughs> so that that's one thing actually. I thought they could they could have focused on that a lot more, whereas actually you know. De, you know, de, she, Kate disparages what is it not in a mean way but just like she's, she thinks he thinks it's silly too so she's making fun of it and he goes actually this is serious yeah. to me and all of a sudden there's a bit of bit of edge between the two of them and that drives him to the arms of the leading lady who's saying like you know, I believe in you Dexter I think you're serious yeah. and all of a sudden yeah. we've got a, a rift and a schism and that could happen so that's one fix that could be done by just moving a few things around and all of a sudden you've got motive for Dexter and a mm-hmm. reason why they would not get on because there's, Kate does nothing again apart from a few codes of actors that would make Dexter to think it's okay to cheat on her, he doesn't. He, mm. There's no even rationale in his mind other than he's just again. Jeff Goldblum is just sitting there in a very yeah. loose way, and he goes, "Oh, okay, I'll cheat with you. I'll, you know, I'll, yeah. sleep, I'll sleep with my leading yeah, He does it. It's almost he's resigned
1: to it, isn't yeah. he Like it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, and, and the, but the way that the way that the film is filmed, it doesn't you know it doesn't justify it. No. And that's I think the issue. I mean, it wouldn't. I don't think it would justify it anyway. But yeah. it would at least in the context of a romantic comedy give you something to
0: draw back. yeah but, but also, yeah. Yeah, also the, the audience want to be shouting Dexter don't do it we know you're thinking this but don't do it in this point it was like is Dexter doing this why is he doing this uh, so yeah. you're, you're confused you're not emoting with it but I think the, the bigger problem which you could throw right at the beginning is um, and I think this maybe why the ending is unsatisfactory is we don't really know what Dexter wants um, yeah is Dexter, is is, is yeah. Dexter a, does Dexter want to be a serious actor in which case Elephant is his way to that. It's the city it's better than being the, the, the punching bag. Or does he want to be basically what Ron Anderson is? Because it's almost like we, we never get a sense of what he was, but a few hints in the film, he walks through an adoring crowd of Ron Anderson fans so like, does he want to be in the big chair? Is that what's mm-hmm. he finds frustrating, or is he a serious actor that Ron Anderson has kept under and under, under his thumb for all mm-hmm. these years? So we we don't know where he wants to be, and that's yeah. really. Or does he want none of this and wants to be with Kate? Because that's also implied mm-hmm. too. He's given but then a lot we of. See, we,
1: you know, we, we see that we see the um the flashbacks of his five or six previous girlfriends, and yeah. yes, they're played they're played comedically, and they've they've obviously got extreme tics yeah. and so on and so forth. But I think that's that's him imagining it. Yeah. It, in, in, in the way that um, in um, Seinfeld, I can't remember the guy's name, the Jason Alexander character. Oh, George, Costanza. George, yeah, that's right. He's always trying to find something about his girlfriends that he doesn't, that he has to pick on. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. To, to, to yeah. dump. So, not knowing what, again, what this is all about makes it very hard for us to kind of to, to realize that Dexter's had his resolution because he ends up with everything in the end without having to work terribly hard for it. He's a leading man yeah. in a successful yeah. musical. He's he's got the girl. He's got everything. If he had to make a choice, like you know, say Elephant was going on tour and um, and he had to race to to tell Kate, and then all of a sudden we've got drama and he had to make a choice, saying I don't want to be a silly elephant. I want to be a serious actor and I want to be with you, yeah. or if or something like this happens, or he says I want to be a serious actor and I blew it with Kate, or or there's yeah. something to do. Whereas at the moment it's just him going through the motions and it did make me think actually a few um there was a sitcom with John Gordon Sinclair of all people around about the same time on ITV yes. maybe LWT itself something called like an actor's life and it was just a six episode thing of oh, right. a struggling actor um, trying to marry his girl not marry trying to merge his girlfriend you know, the life of his girlfriend and his acting yeah. career and to be honest this felt more like that than a f- yeah. feature film because it was a very episodic very humorous was, in places, yeah. but it was just one thing going through another that reached a, a conclusion rather than what you'd call a feature film that, that had this arc that pulled but, you through the whole 90 minutes.
1: And I think that's maybe no surprise that it feels like a combination of an extended sitcom and a series of sketches, yeah. given that it was directed by Mel Smith, you know, a pioneer of sketch show comedy in the early 80s yeah. and written by Richard Curtis. The pioneer of the sitcom in the 1980s.
0: Yeah, so you've got those two
1: characters coming together to make a film that was neither a full-length feature film, neither it wasn't quite, um, uh, you know, could have been a sitcom, could have been a sketch show, but was none of those things in the end. But still, I mean, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to denigrate it too much because. You know, there were times in the film where I was belly laughing, oh, yeah. and I was laughing out loud, and I was funny, and I was really enjoying it. I was thinking, "This yeah. is great. Yeah. This is really funny." But the sum doesn't add up to the whole.
0: Yeah. Actually, interestingly, to get to look at the, the the protoplasm too, the next film they wrote was itself five episodes of four weddings and a funeral tied together with a narrative thread that yeah. was stronger, yeah. but still very episodic. Um, yeah. and it was almost like they It wasn't until I guess Notting Hill or, or further. Um, but I do even well, love actually is a whole mess of episodes okay. tied together. Oh, love like, actually is, yeah. Yeah, but, but I guess maybe Notting Hill is probably the purest example of an actual feature that, that begins and ends um, that, does, that doesn't have to rely on this episodic structure. Because you could have, you know, Dexter Dexter meet, has had, you know, his first episode, Dexter has his injection. Sex episode, Dexter yeah. meets girl, Dexter gets the yeah. elephant, Dexter loses yeah. the girl, Dexter gets yeah. the back again. Um, yes, yeah, it's that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that's, no, again, you're right, there are laugh out loud moments there, but maybe as, as a through narrative. It, we need to know what Dexter wants, and I don't think we do. And I'm, <laughs> one more point, actually, uh, this, this here's a thing: you watch a movie um, that you know has a young child and, I'll say, a father figure in it. And when you're a kid, you're in the young child seat. You see through his eyes, and you yeah. and you watch that. And you reach a certain tipping point. You don't have to be a parent, but you get to a certain age when you suddenly realise I'm on the grown-up side of things. Now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you something: I've watched this movie, I haven't seen it loads of times as a teenager. I think I'm now on Team Ron Anderson. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> because really Dexter too. is a terrible employee. He is. Calling. he's late he's, he's late okay yeah. well, he's late he when he's on stage he's yawning he's like checking his yeah. watch which is really unprofessional because yeah. he is he's been hired to make Ron Anderson funnier that's the Ron Anderson show the people have come paid it's expensive it's the Ron Anderson West, show yeah it's the, they paid West End prices to come and see a show it doesn't matter if it's good or whether he's bored it's his job to make the thing funnier and there are moments when apart from the fact he sacks off her whole her whole show and puts his mate in char, in, in his role yeah. ruins everything there's a moment when he's happy with Kate or he's got a date with Kate and he's happy and he starts improvising stuff and um and Ron Anderson yells at him behind stage saying you know how dare you do anything funny on yeah. stage which I think is meant to be ironic you know, how dare you be funny in a comedy show yeah, but yeah. You're, you're supposed to stick to the script otherwise things don't work exactly. um, and then when he's the elephant man he does the same thing again so he is a terrible terrible yeah. you know team player we don't know if he's a particularly good actor because he it doesn't do a lot does he No. even the elephant man the joke is you know, he's under the thick layer of makeup and everyone is acting around him yeah. so um yeah I, the more i think about it, i think ron anderson who basically yeah, gets tied up gets a head injury has his car stolen and is given basically <laughs> comeuppance um he's guilty of being an unpleasant person just as in rude yeah, but, but a professional but a professional he's not abusive to Dexter I thought again they could have gone with the angle of Dexter is a budding comedian and keeps pitching ideas to Ron who either turns it out or steals himself and that would explain why he hates Ron so much yeah. but he really hates Ron like they, they, they vandalise his poster as during the, lo- yeah. the love montage um, he sees him on TV and he gets outraged he apart from the fact that Ron Anderson represents a boss of a job he's tired of Ron hasn't done an awful lot wrong <laughs> No, I think yeah, he, yeah, you're right. He's
1: jealous of him more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I think, he, you know. But you're right. You know, if he doesn't want the job that much and he just saunters through the show, he quit. Yeah. I mean, he's quit.
0: Yeah, he's yeah, he's a he's a working actor in a successful West End production, and the fact he's he's complaining he makes less money than the Coke machine, he's got a very good agent, so clearly not doing a great job. <laughs> Yeah, I, no, I, I, I. So there's I no. I mean, I know it's meant to be, again, comedically humorous that he just gets beaten on the head with an iron bar each time. But I think, again, Rowan Atkinson is. Again, we've talked about being underused, as Emma Thompson was. Rowan Atkinson could have done a lot more, been given a lot more. He's, he's doing yeah. his best of being just a sneering, you know, of basically being Blackadder on stage. Um, yeah, that's but, what he is, in this, yeah. isn't he? Blackadder on stage. I, I, I do think actually it's funny, again, looking at all of Richard Curtis's films now, we, we'll go back to the whole oeuvre, um, yeah. Rowan Atkinson has never really had a leading role, he's always done bit no. parts and he's always been very yeah. funny in those bit parts, but you're thinking for someone who was essentially, he's his, his launching pad. Richard Curtis and Rowan Atkinson you know, launched simultaneously him into writing him into acting, I don't know yeah. whether there is actually bad but where he doesn't want to give him a main part or just can't write for him, because even when Mr. Bean took off, I think they both where they worked together on Mr. Bean, but when the the series and the movies took off, Ron Atkinson had his own writing team. Um, yeah, he did, didn't he? Although is... Mel, I think Mel
1: Smith directed Mr. Bean's Holiday.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, One of it, them. Yeah. But it is strange how they they've never really mm. collaborated, and maybe that you know Richard Curtis's muse is Hugh Grant, much more in line than than um, Rowan Atkinson. Um, although... Well,
1: I think I, th- I mean uh, I think Rowan Atkinson is an, an interesting kind of comedy actor anyway, because I, f- I have a feeling that his his legend was built in the very late 70s and early 80s when I perhaps wasn't sentient of him in that burgeoning period. So I know him through Blackadder and Mr. Bean.
2: Yeah.
1: And so they're the only two real characters I know through him. And yet he's, a, he's revered. Yeah. I mean, he is revered. He's the, one of the grandfathers of modern British comedy. It's basically uh,
0: like only knowing Steve Martin through his later um, Father of the Bride movies.
1: It's a little bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, he, he, you know, he, he is a re- he's, he's revered as the, the, the godfather of British comedy, well, modern British comedy anyway. And yet and don't get me wrong, you know, Blackadder is one of the greatest sitcoms ever made. Mr. Bean is you can, it's Marmite, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> very, very popular. Nevertheless. Yeah. But um other than that, I don't you know, there's nothing else that I think well hey, that was good. I mean yeah. not the nine o'clock news. I-, I was too young, I didn't know it. Yeah. And to be honest, looking back at something it's not that funny. Or it doesn't feel funny. Maybe I- I'm a Philistine, I don't know.
0: I caught I caught some again the reruns I guess they must have done it in the nineties of the, the Night News. There's some good stuff in there, um, and it's actually really nice to see him play characters because they said he basically he, he condensed all his his comedic roles down into the complete swine who's the sneering blackadder, or yeah. the other funny rubber man which is Mister Bean, yeah. and it's nice yeah. to see him have other acting chops. Interesting, this the, the thing that the Ron Atkinson show is based on, the Ron Anderson show is based on. Um, again, I also watched had that on the VHS the, the um, Ron Atkinson show, which is very funny. It, I think it was hugely successful in the UK, flopped in America, and you can totally see why because you know public school yeah. jokes and, and yeah. wordplay, and Indian restaurant. It's British humour, isn't it? <laughs> it? It was never going to play in America. And yeah. You can see why? But you can also see again him kind of stretching his wings and doing stuff, which is really cool. Um, but it's it's ever since then, like you know, in all in all the, the 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 ensemble British movies of the nineties, yeah. he's just the, the the bit part. He's a bit part, you know, isn't it? Yeah, which is strange. I,
1: and even even in recent times, he's 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 got a very iconic role in the opening ceremony of the Olympics. I mean, really iconic. Yeah. When he he plays the chariot's of fire tune, um, with a with a cold, and he just basically keeps pressing the one the one note on the piano. Yeah. Um, but it's a Mr. Bean character that we all know.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's what it is. It's what he does. And yet, I he's mean, so much more than that. And yet, yeah, I never really see any of that. You anyway, know, banging on about Roman Atkinson there. Um, Anything else you want to talk about with regards to the analysis? Uh,
0: let's have a think now. Um, checking over my notes.
2: No I
1: do find it. I do find, I know we've we've laboured this point perhaps yeah. slightly, but I do find it interesting that um, you know, in a lot of the criticisms we have of the tall guy, they are criticisms of retrospect. I think.
2: Yes. Um, yeah. And and and,
1: and so it, it may be that when when watching it as a, a teenager or a younger person, without the benefit of hindsight and the retrospective of Richard Curtis's career and Emma Thompson's career and even Jeff Goldblum's career, although he was a much bigger star at this time, yeah, you you, you kind of you, you're a little bit at risk of um, putting meaning into it that isn't necessarily there. It was Richard Curtis's first film it was emma thompson's first film it was mel smith's first directorial effort these i think that the tall guy is a a work in progress yeah and i think in some ways if you see it like that it's 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 a it's a good effort right
0: i'd actually um, look at it the other way saying the best thing is to not see it as a work in progress because i i saw i think i must have seen it before four weddings was even made so i was enjoying it as a standalone british film um and was really enjoying it and yeah you're right the the with all the hindsight thrown into it saying oh this is where that happened because even you know yeah. even if they had madness and it must be love that's yeah. you know that was then you know where with, 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 with love is all around and the Elvis yeah. and Stella is in machine yeah. they're all the things are in there and I think it's it's very hard to get away from the history of it now because of where it is and this is why we look at it uh, but I think though that is that is something to, to to look through and just see you know because you always judge it is this a good film or not I think some of the things we discussed as to why it can feel unsatisfying um is it is it, they're inherent already in the film. If this, you mm. know, if, if Richard Curtis retired and no one ever worked again, and this was the only film yeah, ever they made, they would still be there, and you'd still think, oh, that's a bit odd. The gags would still be funny, and it would still be yeah. it would still be good in there, and you'd but, think, of oh, what could be? But but if I'm honest, if yeah. I'm honest with you,
1: I think I think that is perhaps um, uh, that is synonymous with Richard Curtis's oeuvre anyway. A lot of the time. So, not notwithstanding the fact that Four Weddings and a Funeral is you know, an iconic British film, yeah. notwithstanding the fact that Notting Hill is one of the most popular British films of all time, notwithstanding the fact that Love Actually is played at Christmas every year, etc., etc., I can't really. And maybe every with the exception year. of Four Weddings, maybe with the exception of Four and a Funeral, which is which is which which I have a soft spot for. I think I'm not massively keen on Richard Curtis yeah. as a, as a filmmaker, as a film writer. Per se, yeah. and so, and I, I think a lot of the tropes that are in this are in a lot of his other films. And if you don't like them here, you're probably not going to like them there either.
0: I think that's spot on. I think, um, again, I, I mentioned at the start that I would I'd would have named the full the tall guy, not the full guy. <laughs> Lee Majors yeah, yeah. forgive me. I'd name the tall guy as my favourite of the Richard Curtis films. Yeah. The, the, what, rewatching it has taken a lot of the edge off it for me. Um, now yeah. we've kind of got c- a more cynical, analytical eye. Yeah. I'd probably still say it's my favourite because I don't like a lot of them else either um, yeah me
1: too it's I would go further and say I, I have a soft spot for Four Weddings but this is by far my favourite Richard Curtis yeah. scripted film Yeah. Um, easily easily
0: so are we done with the, with the analysis of it then? I think we are I, I think, think we should think, move yeah.
1: on to the scores on the doors
0: okay well uh, make yourself a cup of tea but make sure you make it in 10 seconds because that's all the jingle <laughs> we have put the cup of tea on hold we've got something else to do we've got to say what other films would you to oh, recommend? Yeah. yeah so Have you done your research? Well, (laughs) these films cannot be Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill. Yeah. (laughs) Love Actually or In Time.
1: No. Um, I would. um, It's a good point because you naturally go toward other Richard Curtis films, perhaps, and you can see the kind of evolution of the style. I'd perhaps go the other way and look at um, some films um, with Mel Smith. Um, in them, and particularly, there are two films that Mel Smith made with his uh, comedy partner Griff Rhys Jones in the 1980s. Both of which potentially are Weekend at Crombie's films. Actually, they 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 don't have a huge following, but I I haven't seen them for years. But I have a I have a kind of fond recollection of them um, f- for for one reason or another. And, and they are the two films are um, Morons from Out of Space yeah. and Wilt. Is it, um,
0: is it Wilt or Root? It's Wilt is the character Root or is it is my is getting Root away. It's, Wilt, Will, it's, it's Wilt with Griff jones it's Wilt with Griff jones and Mel yes, Smith yeah. sorry I get so, my, my roots and my Wilt I remember and
1: Alison Stedman as well who's 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 great in it as well and they're, they're both films um, that tap into the the comedy chemistry of Griff Griffith jones and Mel Smith yes. um, I don't think they're massively successful no. um, from my memory because it's been a long time since I've seen them but I think that they are, they are good examples of that type of niche comedy film where you get popular characters basically playing themselves in a contrived setting. I'm thinking of things like On the Buses and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, morons from Outer Space, I particularly think was is, is quite a flawed film. But I, I, I remember that being really quite funny. I like the concept of it, that they are actually the aliens land on Earth and they're idiots. They're morons. <laughs> So those two films, I think, are quite good.
0: Wilt, I would have picked for that as well. I would also have picked um, Staggered with Martin Clunes as being... Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, other than that, again, it is like forward Weddings People drove a bulldozer through the 90s when it came on. And films were either written like that or or written as a kind of a counterpoint to that. I've just
1: thought of another one as well, sorry, which, again, it's a completely different genre and it's a different um, feel, but it's Bloodbath at the House of Death. So um, (laughs) so the reason why the reason why I'm saying Bloodbath at the House of Death is because it stars Kenny Everett
2: Um,
1: and it's it's for my memory. I think it's Kenny Everett's only film credit Um, and he's the main star of the film and it's written by Barry Cryer, Um, uh, you know famous kind of uh, comedy writer yeah. the, the 70s and 80s. Um, and it's another one of those films where it's a vehicle for a particular kind of comedy style or comedy approach, of which the tour guy is that kind of vehicle for the Richard Curtis, Ben Elton, um, Mel Smith type of comedy that I think falls quite flat in not delivering not delivering the goods for Kenny Everett, who was such a fantastic physical com- comedian. Um, so there's, there's something there about a kind of kind of um, grand failures, as it were. You know, things that I really want to be good yeah. but perhaps aren't because either the writing isn't quite there or it's too much of its time or it's just working through the tropes of that kind of genre at that time and it doesn't quite get to what it needs to be.
0: Yeah. Interesting. It's uh, I, 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 The last point on the, these type of films was it's almost fascinating that a film that had... Again, I know they weren't mega stars by then, but they were they were big British mm. stars: Richard Curtis, Ron Atkinson. Again, Jeff Goldblum was a his and right. And it was funded by LWT and Virgin. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. is this where the, the British TV film industry really was on. at this stage? Yeah, LWT. Yeah, and well, I think Working Title probably had a hand in it because they they oh, they, 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 they made yeah. anything that was went on screen in the eighties. But it's like that's doldrums. It's um, it's well, I'd like to know what other films LWT made. Yeah, I mean, they could make um, many. Well, I mean. This is, you know, this is probably two rungs above it just went out on a, a Saturday evening as an LWT special.
1: Oh yeah, um, I mean this this would have been a cinema release, you know, would have had an American release as well, I would presume.
0: It did, but had it had it, you know, had it not been you know, quite as popular, well, popular, had it not been quite as big, let's say Jeff Goldblum was yes. played by say Martin Short. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> well, would have been like the short guy. The short guy, they'd, they'd be the hilarious That'd be the hilarity. Um, <laughs> But something like that, and it wasn't just quite as big a a a, a tent pole to get over over the over the the hurdle. Maybe it would have just been a, a made-for-TV movie, and that's um that's where it came from. But it's a. Uh yeah, it's an interesting one. They could have just said this, this is like like the um, the other thing I was going to recommend in films is look at the comic strip presents films. That's yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of that's, which were they were I think made for TV, but you know kind they of were. shot as movies. It's that kind yeah. of that's where we were in the primitive times.
1: They were. Um, I I, I keep saying I want to just mention one more thing. It's just occurred to me that um
0: <laughs> this is the Columbo episode.
1: <laughs> it is the Columbo episode, isn't it? That the, the Jeff Goldblum's career at the point at which the tall guy was made is an is an interesting juncture because. A few years before, he would have made The Fly, yeah. which was, you know, a big hit, big horror movie, very successful. Um, it would have made a couple of films on the back of that, which perhaps flopped a little bit. The Mad Monkey is one that I can remember, which didn't really do much. are easy. Okay. Yeah. And so that, you know, and maybe he took the tall guy because it was he maybe, you know, was on the way down from a high. And I think one of the one of the films that he made after this would have been Jurassic Park. Yeah. And then Independence Day. You know, and so then he he went in the early 90s into this mega He was in loads and loads and loads of really, really big films, not necessarily the leading man in those films.
0: But I think it was Jurassic Park that that sort of cemented what he'd been working on at the fly, that that kind of character. Um,
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. um, And now, of course, he's he's a I mean, he's a he's an interesting character now. He's an interesting actor because he's more known for being Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) Yeah. Than anyone he actually plays yes which is which is a great place to be i guess
0: yeah it's um it's an interesting one and yeah a career in itself is a it's a, it's a strange arc and this is a, this isn't yeah it's an odd place in that arc i think
1: he, he he more than anyone i can think of plays jeff goldblum in, <laughs> in all of his films
0: <laughs> i think he does the best jeff goldblum i've seen <laughs> yeah, he
1: does do he does do Anyway, I'm, I'm finished.
0: Anyway, we have scores to give and films yeah. to learn, so uh, join us after the jingle. You can have that badly with cup of tea. I will clear my throat and cough loudly and possibly have a boiled sweet, and we'll Thanks. speak to you soon. <laughs> Welcome back to the... the fun... <laughs> James oh. is laughing because I'm, i am I... Made a humorous joke before he came on. You'll never know what it is. That's just for our subscribers of our Patreon um, to get the after-show credits. Um, yeah.
1: If you want, if you want to hear the the, um, the cuts of the seven-hour episode <laughs> of Too Late the Hero, um, please do sign up to our Patreon site.
0: Best fifty dollars you'll ever spend to support us. <laughs> a month. A month. Uh, anyway, let us begin with the scores as tradition dictates you're in the hot seat james uh-huh, what would yeah. you give the tall guy
1: so the tall guy is uh, a an act of pure nostalgia i think uh, working through uh many many viewings as a, as a, a burgeoning teenager um and you know some things live long in the memory i think we've discussed which which of those scenes <laughs> do um i found myself interestingly laughing quite a lot certainly in the first half of the film with some real belly laughs as well and um emma and i were 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 watching this together and we were both looking at each other thinking this is this is good i'm enjoying this um i think it flags a little bit in the second half i think that the uh the, the, the the challenge that's provided in the romantic comedy kind of structure doesn't really work and leaves a little bit of a sour taste in the mouth nevertheless i think it still remains my favorite richard curtis film and i certainly do enjoy uh jeff goldblum playing his physical comedy um and on that basis, I'm going to give the tall guy three disembodied crombie heads.
0: Three. That's fair. I think for myself, um, interestingly, again, I would have picked this um, <laughs> because, again, it's chock-a-block full of nostalgia for me. Mm. So I probably want, somewhere down the road, I would have picked this myself to watch. And I, I went into it with your very great warm feelings towards it. Uh, I think that, that's been soured a bit just by now. I have more of a cynical eye towards the screenplay, and it's not as good as I do remember. Um, however uh, so you know what I think it just edges up to three Crombie Heads for me mm. it, 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 there were laughs what, in it what tipped you what tipped you what tipped you? me basically because it is still my favourite Richard Curtis film and I don't <coughs> think I could rate Four Weddings and Notting Hill as one Crombie Head yeah, <laughs> so if, yeah. if, it's, if it's my favourite one it's got to be above them so it's got to be yeah. a three but it's it's just above a three it's a three because the others are twos <laughs> yeah. um, well that's that's as good as any reason that's as good it? as it. I, it's. there were laughs in it there's some good performance in it if you don't look at it too carefully, as I did, the yeah. entire thing you can you you can enjoy it. Um, it's an enjoyable romp, and again, for people who like films or are interested in films, which I hope our audience members are, there is there's stuff in there to, to get you fist into in terms of how this genre developed, this sort of writing style developed from you know its basic clay.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine. Any other reason for anyone listening to this podcast if they're not interested in films? <laughs> uh, I think, I I know you're either interested in films or you have a penchant for middle-aged men talking about films, which is a weird fetish. would
0: well, no, have you, have you the AMSR, where you, uh, you just listen to nice sounds on the internet? Well, that's not us. We're not, we're not. <laughs> I think we could be nice sound. I think that, that the Christmas episode where you lost your voice. That, oh, yeah. That was like hearing you know, tissue paper crackling <laughs> for three hours.
1: Yeah, i tell you what, my voice was so husky over Christmas, I aroused myself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, dear. The, and on uh, that bombshell. On key, that bombshell, let's learn... What we're going to watch next month? Oh,
1: this is this is my favourite part of every single weekend at Crombie's episode. The knowledge that we are less than five minutes from the end of the recording.
0: <laughs> well, you're in luck because the one I've had is a very short title. It's it's three Ooh. words, but they're short words. Uh, so the film we'll be watching next month is Set It Off.
1: Set It Off.
0: Set It Off.
1: I have seen this film.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you have to watch it yeah. again. Good, okay, set it off. Set Interesting. it off. <laughs>
0: you can't be saying it in Yorkshire. Set it off.
1: Set it off. <laughs> it's not set in Yorkshire.
0: <laughs> let's get this all out of the way now, because we've got a whole episode where we have to say set it off in different ways.
1: S- set it off.
0: Set it off, lad. Lad, set it off. <laughs> off you Come by.
1: Yeah, well, let's not let's not delve too much into the tale of Yorkshire gangsters. <laughs> um uh, we will we will await the uh, September edition of Weekend at Crombie's to discuss set it off. Um, mm-hmm. You you enjoy your um, you enjoy your heist movies, didn't you?
0: Well, do you know what? I thought it'd been a while since we'd done them. We'd been we'd had some quite cuddly romances, and I thought let's get some guns back in it. But I believe not in the traditional way. So, um, no, so indeed.
1: We can... Well, oh, listener, oh, if that doesn't whet your appetite. I don't know what would. Perhaps it's set it off. <laughs> Um. sounds good
0: <laughs> thanks <laughs> I was trying to think of a witty quip
1: but then I remembered I'm not Hugh Morgan
0: <laughs> but then again who is yeah indeed so that is the film we'll be watching then we can simply allow you to drift off into, into sleep hopefully this is the evening rather than you driving to work um, and <laughs> Our voices, as we've established, are quite soothing, especially if one of us has laryngitis. Um, And I will end by wishing you a very pleasant weekend at Crombie's.
1: Good evening, all.
0: Weekend at
1: Crombie's. Thank you very much, Virgin Media, Um, who also
0: produced The full Guy.
1: The tall guy. <laughs> the tall, to- the, the, the fall guy. The tall guy, not the tall guy. The tall. Produced... Steve. Steve Austin. No, he was the guy who got killed by Stingray.
0: Perfect. No. I've got a cough button. How's that?
1: You could just switch me off now, couldn't you, for a while? What's that? <laughs> Are you being serious then?